0: this is episode number 631 with Luke Barus of the eponymous Data Analytics YouTube channel. This episode is brought to you by Iterative, your mission control center for machine learning. Welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast, the most listened to podcast in the data science industry. Each week, we bring you inspiring people and ideas to help you build a successful career in data science. I'm your host, John Crone. Thanks for joining me today. And now, let's make the complex simple. Welcome back to the Super Data Science Podcast. We've got the tremendous Luke Barus on the show today. Luke is a full-time YouTuber creating highly educational, but nevertheless often hilarious, videos on data analytics for his enormous audience of over a quarter million subscribers. Previously, Luke worked as a lead data analyst and data engineer at BASF, the global chemical manufacturing giant. Before kicking off his career in industry, He worked for seven years in the U.S. Navy on nuclear-powered submarines, and he holds a degree in mechanical engineering, a graduate qualification in nuclear engineering, and an MBA in business analytics. Today's episode is a terrifically interesting one because of the terrifically interesting guest, so it might appeal to just about any listener, but it will be particularly appealing to folks in the early stages of a data career, such as those considering getting into data analytics. In this episode, Luke details the must-have skills for entry-level data analyst roles, as demonstrated by an original data analysis project he carried out, the data analyst skills mistakenly and erroneously pursued by many folks considering the career, how his experience as a submariner prepared him well for a data analytics career, his favorite tools for creating interactive data dashboards, his favorite scraping libraries for collecting data from the web, the skills people can amass now to be prepared for the data careers of the future, and the benefits of CrossFit beyond just the fitness improvements. All right, you ready for this especially engaging episode? Let's go. Luke Barus, welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast. I have wanted to have you on the show for ages. I've been following your brilliant YouTube channel for months and months. And now to have you, not in the flesh, I guess, (laughs) But interacting with me on screen is such a thrill. Thanks for coming on. Luke, how are you doing? Where are you calling in from?
1: Heck yeah, uh, doing well. Thank you so much for having me on. First off, uh, when I first got into data analytics, found the Super Data Science Podcast and was just like, oh my God, there's such such a wealth of knowledge. So it's awesome to come like sort of like full circle and be on here. So thank you. Wow, I'm delighted Uh, to hear that. Yeah. And... Calling from Arkansas in the United States. Oh, so yeah. Sort of the middle of nowhere. I'm near the Walmart's headquarters. No affiliation, but they have some mountain biking here. <laughs> I like to do mountain biking, and so the, that's
0: what uh, I'm doing here. The, the mountain biking isn't affiliated with the Waltons in any way.
1: No, <laughs> oh, it's very much affiliated with the Waltons. They, it uh, is. The uh, mountain biking
0: is.
1: Oh, about, they've poured millions of dollars into building the trails around here. The Waltons oh, are big really? into mountain biking. Yeah. No and kidding. And it's a big thing. It's the it's their way to basically build up the uh, the city to entice the vendors of Walmart and people, employees to move to Bentonville, Arkansas. Wow. It's building up the trails because now you have this like great little ecosystem, and so people are like I want to go mountain bike there, and they move here and they have something to do while working for Walmart.
0: Wow, I had no yeah. idea. I was saying yeah. that as a sarcastic joke. And yeah, I just. No, not sarcastic at all. Uh, right. I appreciate their millions of dollars they put into the trail, uh, <laughs> and
1: I get to ride them for free.
0: <laughs> Amazing. Um, so, your YouTube channel, as I've already mentioned, is incredible, and lots of people think so. Uh, at the time of recording, you have over 260,000 subscribers. By the time this episode is live, I'm sure it will be many, many thousands more. So your target market with your videos is primarily aspiring and entry-level data analysts. In the channel, you creatively combine amazing different kinds of videos. Some of them are step-by-step instructions for doing things. Some of them are hot takes. You've got engaging visuals. And my favorites are the humorous skits. Sometimes you do them with other well-known YouTubers, and I just get such a kick out of them. I love them. Um, So Luke, You have an innovative channel. I've never seen anything like it in this space. Where do you draw inspiration on for your next video?
1: For inspiration, it just, well, it comes away with anybody. But mainly, I try to go back to whenever I first got into data science and more specifically data analytics. And I try to think of the questions and the issues that I had when I was first starting and like what resources were not there because there's there's a lot of like uh, there's a lot of great YouTube videos out there, especially on tutorials like I used to do a lot of tutorials and that's great. It's like hey, I have this like I created a Tableau tutorial. but like when I first got into data science or data analytics I didn't, know, I didn't know what Tableau was. I didn't know what visualization softwares were, what the need was. Um, at the time I was going to school for a business and I knew I wanted to apply analytics, and somebody came in and, and gave like a uh, presentation at the time on tableau and really helped open my eyes to it but that presentation like that's not normal like to understand what this software is used for right it's really hard to just get a
0: concise understanding of what different tools are used to accomplish jobs right. so you're providing like context like so you're kind of like thinking if somebody came up to you and was like hey like i've heard about this data analytics career like where do i get started like What are the different kinds of things you do? Those are the kinds of videos you think about. You're going to provide some context for people.
1: Yeah, uh, and with that, probably a bad analogy, sort of like a a gateway drug. Um, (laughs) But but basically, make it as easy as possible for people to understand things they need to get into first for this field. So that way they can decide, like, hey, maybe this isn't for me. Vice, they don't even know data analytics, and then they spend all this time learning Tableau once again, spend all this time learning Tableau. And then they start implementing it they're like, I don't really like this. Instead, look at it holistically, take a step back and provide a big picture look at these things. So that way they can get more of a, they get this big picture view to figure out if they want to go into it and then what they need to actually focus on. Because a lot, I mean, as you know, right, there's so much you can focus on and so much you can look at. I think we got to like, you need somebody to just provide that basic understanding and big picture what's happening there.
0: I love that. Uh, what's the most gratifying outcome you get out of having this channel and these enormously popular videos?
1: Yeah. So uh, I was uh, was actually just thinking about that the other day. So I've been doing this, I guess, two years now, which I mean, I guess isn't that long, but man, I can tell you I whenever, so I'll, I usually I'll finish up a video and then I'll go to upload it and then I'll upload it for the next morning. And like the night before, like I upload it, like it's like, you know, like a kid, whenever you're in, in, uh, Christmas is the next day and you're Mm -hmm. like all excited or whatever. That's how I get with these videos. Cause I'm like, I don't know what people are going to say. I don't know, but I'm like, I'm looking forward to, I just spent like two, three weeks making this video. I'm like, I'm pumped to like release this thing. And I'm excited. Sometimes I can't even sleep. I'm ready to wake up the next morning and just check (laughs) the comments and see what people are saying. Um, so that's really what invigorates me is, that cycle of getting to that point of releasing it and then seeing everybody seeing the benefit that it has. And, um, yeah, that's, that's mainly that, that's just what gives me energy.
0: Love it. Uh, and then in particular, your comedy skits, (laughs) where did, where did those ideas come from? Like those are, they're really innovative.
1: Yeah. Well, so, I mean, uh, I'll be completely honest. I think it, uh, I I didn't originate those. I mean, they're they're obviously on YouTube, but I follow this other YouTuber called uh, Julie Nolke. And uh, she has a, she has a famous YouTube video. It's uh, called uh, explaining the pandemic to my past self. So basically the pandemic's happening and you explain it to your past self before. Mm -hmm. And it was sort of like a skit talking to each other. Anyway, uh, it's a funny little skit. And I'm like, Oh, she's just like, she doesn't have any people. She just like, She's just using herself and talking to herself, I'm like, I could do that, but with like <laughs> data science uh mm-hmm. and I'm like, uh, and so I really that's what I try to do a lot with my YouTube videos I just go about a different way of explaining concepts to people, and it's actually pretty interesting. I don't do the skits as much because sometimes they don't they don't resonate as much, but it was it's very interesting, but I found that this was like my data analyst versus data scientist one mm-hmm. I, I received a lot of comments around like one like eventually new people are like, "Hey, I don't understand this, but I'm looking forward to whenever I can understand it." And then I've had people that have been like, "Hey, I've been studying for like six months now, and and now I can like understand like the jokes in this video like this is awesome." Mm-hmm. And so it's funny because it it can provide, I guess, like a sort of like a goal of people that are new to this field of maybe yeah, some inside yeah. jokes that they should be able to get,
0: yeah, I get that. i th- I suspect that there are some listeners of the super data science podcast out there, for example, that, are interested in the field, they're interested in data science and AI. And sometimes we have episodes that get quite technical. But they listen to those episodes anyway, because they're like, just kind of understanding the way that people use the language, what are the trendy words, even if you can't really dig under the meaning of it, just having that just kind of hearing those conversations happen, like, I guess, kind of like, you know, if you were in an office, and there were some people who you were thinking about moving into the kind of role that they have, and you kind of hear them talking over lunch, that might be an interesting conversation to hear, even if you can't totally understand everything. Um, right. But then, yeah, as you explore the field more and more and more, you get the inside jokes, you get all the context. Yeah, that's cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, you got to fake it till you make it. And uh, I, t- I, I like how people can use it for that. And basically just like, hey, get exposed to these different topics and maybe in a fun way,
0: podcast way, whatever. And over yeah. time, I mean,
1: you, if you're exposing to it enough, you're going to get it.
0: Yeah, and that especially, I think, if you listen to a lot of episodes of the show or you watch a lot of your videos, people will start to see, oh, SQL, that comes up all the time. Mm-hmm. Right, <laughs> like, like that's, probably should yeah. pay, focus, uh, pay attention to this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, one of your most popular videos outlines a learning roadmap to become a data analyst. So sounds kind of like the perfect video you're describing for providing the context to people. Um do you think that a lot of people get lost or overwhelmed as they start getting into uh, this data analyst career? Do you think it's like overwhelming looking at like, I, you know, you're kind of describing earlier the situation where people might not know what Tableau is and they are they look up what they need to know as a data analyst and all these videos come up about Tableau and, the, and there's like Tableau tutorials and they're like, I don't even know what this is. I don't even like, they press play and they don't understand what's going on. And so it's kind of overwhelming. You think that, I guess, that kind of situation must happen a lot with people, right?
1: Yeah, I think it's uh, a lot of overwhelming. I actually did a bunch of interviews with my subscribers for, ent- for those that are, um, that are entering the field of data analytics and what their biggest problem is and, uh, in it. And th- there was two main things. One of them was being overwhelmed. And the other one was not really having a lot of social interaction. Uh, basically have, because I mean, we're in the pandemic, right? Uh, or not in the pandemic. We're we're through the pandemic, but during the pandemic, you didn't really have a lot of people in a lot of interaction. But the overwhelming aspect, yeah, just exactly to your point. There's so many different things. Where do you focus? And, you know, you go to these job descriptions uh, and you're like, want to be an aspiring analyst? And they're like, all of them are saying different skills that you need to know. So you're like, do I, like, like, what do I need to learn? And so that was really the thought of the process of that video was to basically narrow down what you should focus on. Because I had a lot of problems. I've learned. I learned tools that I think I should have. I wasted my time on. And I was like, I wish I would just had somebody who been like, hey, focus on these core tools.
0: Do you have any examples of tools that you wasted your time on? Off the cuff.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm going to back, uh, bad talk it right now, but like uh, Microsoft Access, I can't stand. You'd have to bleep the <laughs> cuss words that are going to come out of my mouth. And I trash talk it anytime, anytime I can. I cannot stand that program because there's such other, I mean, it's outdated program. Microsoft's trying to phase it out, but companies are still using it right. and they can't get rid of it. And so I'm like, don't learn this. Like, anyway. I need to stop right now. Uh, I'm so sorry. Uh, (laughs) um, But I've also learned, uh, I don't even want to give a shout out to the name of this company because they uh, upset me so bad, an automation tool to extract data. And their whole premise was basically locking businesses in to paying a subscription fee to Mm -hmm. use this tool to web scrape data. And I found out later that I could just use Python even more easily, because it was supposed to be like a low, low to no code solution. And yeah. I actually was having to use code. Uh, and so it was like, oh, man, I wish I just known like Python. I would have used that. So, right. yeah, like those two situations, uh, my blood's boiling right now, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, come to mind. And I'm just like, I'm so glad. Uh, I, wish, I, would, I wish somebody would have been like, hey, focus on these things.
0: Yeah. What Python libraries do you like to use for web scraping? beautiful soup
1: uh or? so uh yeah beautiful soup selenium uh yeah, selenium, Probably. What, i mean
0: too. yeah pros and cons between those two
1: uh between i uh, uh i i I not I could not give you that uh, I can just <laughs> say I like selenium <laughs> mainly because I can have like a like cuz usually I'm doing like clicking or something or need to like scroll on the page so I need that like sort of like browser atmosphere uh and yeah that's what I'm just used to it so I just stick with it
0: this episode is brought to you by iterative the open source company behind dvc one of the most popular data and experiment versioning solutions out there iterative is on a mission to offer machine learning teams the best developer experience with solutions across model registry experimentation cicd training automation and the first unstructured data catalog and query language built for machine learning find out more at www.iterative.ai that's www.iterative.ai. Cool. Well, we're going to talk more about your favorite tools later in the episode, but let's kind of get back to where we were in the conversation about people getting started in data analytics. So what is the most significant assumption you think aspiring data analysts make when planning out their careers? And I guess a kind of interesting twist on that question, like what are the, what are the assumptions they make that are misplaced? About a data analyst career.
1: Yeah, the, uh, Alex, I I think was talking about this. So I don't want to steal his idea, but I'm basically going to steal his idea. I already made a LinkedIn post about it recently. I think people think that you have to go, especially for data analytics, right? Data analysts—they want like an employer needs like basic things done with data anal- uh, data analytics, whether it's Excel, SQL, Python, R, whatever. Just like you know, basic tasks done to analyze data. And, um, I think one of his recent LinkedIn posts, he was talking about people present this portfolio for like an entry-level data analyst and it has like all this machine learning algorithms and yeah. like, uh, you know, like advanced, like, uh, <laughs> uh, methods of using like gradient descent and stuff like that. And it's like, I mean, that's great, but like, you just need to. Like I need just like this. I need you to analyze this like budget that I have right here, and you know maybe provide some deficiencies. <laughs> I don't think we're going to use a so a machine learning algorithm on it. Right. Uh, so I think people one they get a little too overwhelmed, and they can go, uh, they can think that they need to know it way stuff way more advanced than they actually need to, and that they just need to focus on the basics and understand that in order to and display those skills in order to land like an entry level job.
0: Cool. Yeah, that's pretty similar. We recently had Shashank Kalanthy on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, you probably know. Let me some shock. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so he was in episode number six hundred and twenty-three, and that was something that he said too. He was like, "For data analytics, for data, for an entry-level data analyst role, uh, I might not be able to remember remember totally off the cuff here, uh, but he was saying things like, you 'You've got to have, you know, some understanding of.'" BI tools, maybe something like Tableau and he was like, you can learn Tableau in a weekend and then spend a couple of weeks learning simple SQL queries uh, be able to do some relatively advanced Excel stuff like Vlookups and you're set on the job, then you can maybe learn some Python that'll help you automate some things but he was like, you can be prepared for a data analyst career in a couple of months if you focus on it full time
1: Yes, so true uh, if you can just focus, I like how you talked about those t- tools specifically from him. Cause that's uh, exactly what I would recommend. And like my first job, I just knew mainly Excel, but then I got into it, got the job and then I started to learn power BI and implementing power BI in my job. Then my next job, I started implementing SQL and, uh, also had to do Tableau. So I learned, started learning that. And so you can sort of snowball and learn more tools as you progress in your career. But, but you have to start first at those core tools to even get the job
0: nice. Tell us about power bi that's a that's also a Microsoft tool, right? So you mentioned Microsoft Access earlier. I don't want to like get you fuming again, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like you know Microsoft can build tools that yeah. are useful. I mean, obviously Excel, famous mm-hmm. uh, probably the most widely used data analysis tool on the planet Um mm-hmm. And yeah, so what's the difference? Like, why did somebody start using Power BI instead of Excel? What does it do differently?
1: I think so the ability to actually build succinct dashboards that mm. like uh, that people can't mess with uh, Right. because so uh, like whenever I first started, so I, I made a, one of my first roles as a data analyst, I made this, this dashboard in Excel and like you can make dashboards in Excel, but then I didn't know that one, how do you, it, it, they're, I mean, they're sort of clunky Two, but then how do you share this Excel dashboard? You right. have to send the the file, and then what happens whenever you have to update it? You have to send the new file. Um, right. And I guess you could host it. You could host it like on Excel Online, but then,
0: um, but then can mess like with the your cells, People you can could, mess
1: with your cells. Yeah. You could mess with stuff. Yeah. Uh, so that's why I like Power BI. Power BI can make it's a, it's a dashboard solution provides visualizations. Um, and I can use this within Microsoft, this Power BI service, make this dashboard that people can't mess with, and, well, that they can, like, you know, play with, but they can't right, destroy. Right, right, they can,
0: You can give them, like, knobs and drop-down menus. Slicers, that
1: yeah, clicks, whatever they want to do. I can set up this controlled environment for them to go in, use the data, and then this thing, this dashboard can connect to a variety of sources which may be excel files it may be a sql database or whatever and so that's why i'm like oh i'm really bullish on power bi i just love it i mean t- Tableau is just as good i don't think they're either one's different it depends on what the company's using but uh i'm just i'm i'm a fan of power bi and i've made a, a couple of courses on it so i'm just like uh yeah i'm uh, i'm very biased towards
0: it super cool uh we haven't talked about Power BI very much in the show at all. So I'm delighted that you can provide us with a, a bit of an introduction. To yeah. yeah. Thanks. Yeah.
1: And I guess the only other thing that I want to add to that is, is the, the, the one problem that I have with Power BI still. So Tableau is great for visualization software. So you usually have Tableau and Power BI. Tableau has this thing called Tableau Public, and you can go and share your dashboards very easily on Tableau Public. Mm-hmm. And so people can go in and look at your dashboard, play with whatever data is connected to, and it's really great. Microsoft Power BI doesn't have anything public facing like that. Like, So if you're within an organization, you can use your organization's Microsoft uh, suite and like share it internally. Um, but like, if I wanted to build a dashboard, me, without an organization, and to be able to share that dashboard, I can't really do that that easy. And so that's what, like one major drawback that I want to just capture on.
0: Nice. Super cool. All right. So we've talked about some assumptions that people might make early in their data, analysis, data analyst career uh, that are maybe misled. Uh, how about you, Luke? What are the biggest mistakes that you made early on in your data analyst career that you wish you could go back and do differently? Yeah, so I think that the
1: one of the biggest mistakes besides the not picking the right tools is then once getting into my job itself or any project, if you will, um, I think one of the biggest problems I had was focusing too much energy on a specific task or a specific project before getting input from other stakeholders. Right. So I guess an example of that was like in my first job, right? I'm building this product. And I built out this, uh, talked about this Excel dashboard, built out this Excel dashboard. And I was like, oh, we're going to do so many different metrics on it. We're going to be doing standard deviation, variance, all these different things. And I spent like, you know, weeks on this thing. And then like I gave it to my boss and it did have the information that he wanted. But unfortunately, there was a lot of information and a lot of time that I spent adding other things that wasn't any value add to the project and didn't provide any insights. And I wish I could tell you that I only did that mistake once, but I did that (laughs) in follow line projects. And so that's why I like to, I wanna bring it up now is because it just, it happened more than once. And it's mainly, hey, you work on something, get insights, get, get quick feedback. Even if it's not a final product, it's always good to have those stakeholders or whoever you're building this for, to under to look at it and maybe provide that feedback to make sure you're going the right track, so you're not going to waste uh, unnecessary time. Because I, I did learn some more skills while doing that, but it wasn't the I didn't get to where I needed to as efficiently as I could have.
0: Nice. So get feedback early and often is a tip mm-hmm. that you wish you could give to your past self, just like uh, the woman that uh, inspired with that COVID video, talking to her past self.
1: <laughs> right. Pretty, exactly.
0: Pretty <laughs> um. So uh, in addition to your data analytics career, you have had some tangential entrepreneurial uh, undertakings. So in 2019, you founded a lifestyle startup called Macrofit to improve health through meal prep. And this is something that resonates deeply with me. I am a big meal prep subscriber. I subscribe to two different meal prep services. I guess I might as well mention them on air so that people are aware if that's something you're thinking of. To me, this is a really obvious thing. So before we even started recording this episode, Luke and I talked for about half an hour about CrossFit. So yeah. we, him and I have very much drink in the Kool-Aid. I don't think it's an unfounded drinking of Kool-Aid. It, <laughs> I, like, CrossFit! It's, <laughs> it, it is, if you're interested in forging elite fitness, there's no easier way than being disciplined about going to CrossFit. It's a key thing. It's easy if you're disciplined about doing it. The thing that makes it so easy is that you have a community that propels you. When you know that you're gonna be doing that workout against someone who's maybe been doing about as long as you, they come to the same class time as you, you wanna beat them a bit. and But you also wanna celebrate like your progress with other people. You wanna cheer on other people's progress. And so just having this community, and it's also been an amazing place for me personally, to meet tons of great professional connections. Because unlike a lot of gyms out there, a lot of other like non-CrossFit gym experiences I've had, people put their headphones in, they just kind of watch like TVs that are on as they sit at a machine. But when you go to a CrossFit gym, like a, a lot of CrossFit gyms, like you're not even allowed to wear headphones, like you certainly can't in class time. Like you've gotta you gotta be paying attention, everyone's in sync. Um, and so you get to meet a lot of people. You show up at the same class time every day, you're gonna make a lot of friends, you meet a lot of professional connections. It's just such a wonderful community. And then once you start doing that for a little bit, you'll start to realize that people in the CrossFit community, it's not just about the fitness, it's about so many other aspects of your life that support fitness. So getting a good night's sleep, not drinking too much. Um stretching, uh, and things like diet, diet is super important to being able to, uh, to be able to grow muscles, to be able to expand your cardiovascular capacity, to have energy throughout the day, especially if you are working out in part of your day. So super, super important to have great nutrition. And for me, it's been a no brainer for many years that the easiest way for me to get the macronutrients that i need so you know there's these kinds of rules of thumb like you should eat as many grams of protein per day as you have pounds of body weight in order to sustain or grow muscle mass uh and then depending on how much you're working out you're also going to need carbs (laughs) so sometimes people will be like keto it's (laughs) it's hard to be a serious athlete and be keto because you need carbs as fuel for your for your workouts so um so depending on how much you're working out, and you might want to work with a nutritionist or a, or a CrossFit coach or somebody to kind of give you um, some guidelines on, on how many grams of carbs, fat and protein you might want to get in a day, but you, you can do your own meal prep. So the, one of the most time consuming ways of getting all your macros right is to be weighing all your food. Maybe you spend your Sunday like doing meal prep for the week. Some people even, they'll get groups together where you're like, okay, every fourth week, you've got a new meal prep for four people, including yourself. So people will do things like that. For me, I was like, you know, there's meal delivery services. They tell you exactly the macros on each meal. So I get this pre-weighed for three meals a day, six days a week. I've got pre-weighed meal containers that come from two two services I use. Uh, These are both US-based services, but territory and MegaFit meals uh territory has a bit more vegetables uh but uh so i like that <laughs> and they're kind of they're really yeah. really yummy. I'm, I'm going to check out you know, that out. yeah territory is good for that but um territory also like there tends to be a bit more fat in the meals it's hard for me to hit my like lower fat targets um on the macro plan that i'm on and so with there's this other company megafit meals which the meals aren't as yummy <laughs> and um they definitely don't have enough vegetables. (laughs) But in terms of hitting your macros, like they have tons of meals with like five grams of fat, 50 grams of carbs, 50 grams of protein. And so a few meals like that in the day, and I'm off to the races with hitting my macro targets for the day. Um, So all of that lead up (laughs) was to say that you also, Luke, uh, created MacroFit to improve health through meal prep. So could you elaborate on this particular business idea? What was it about? What motivated you? And what did you learn?
1: Yeah. Um, so I, th- actually, this has a lot of synergies, I think, with the with your first point about community with CrossFit, sort of like we're doing here in data science, right? You're, you want to have like-minded people to understand what everybody else is doing uh, for data science, where you should be going and how to improve your career. Same thing with, uh, I think, CrossFit and this, uh, you're, you're trying to have a community to know where to go. And that was uh, one of the problems that I noticed was that this meal prep and specifically this, this macros, it's very difficult. So macronutrients, like you explained, right? This, this protein, carbs, the fat, we have certain amounts that you need to do or you, you want to hit and they all make up how many calories you get in a day. Mm-hmm. If you're below or above your certain calorie target for the day, uh, you can either gain or lose weight. And so like, these are numbers that I'm talking about, right? Like grams of these macronutrients or numbers of calories these are numbers so like you could you this is data so they're <laughs> like i could turn this into a data science project mm-hmm. and that's i was like i can automate because it's so like you're you're talking about like oh whenever fats because i have too much fats in my uh in this one meal i'm like okay i want to make a solution that can basically tell me what i need to eat so i i know i want to eat three meals a day tell me with each meal one, the macronutrients I need to hit, and then also maybe make some recommendations of what I need to eat in order to Mm. hit hit those macronutrients. Mm. And so that's what my goal was. I built this uh, in Microsoft Excel, uh, which started as a project project in college with a bunch of other people. And then I took it further after that class. So I want to make sure I give uh, credit to those people I worked with initially in my school project. And uh, we actually used... uh, uh, macros, like Excel macros, Microsoft <laughs> Excel macros. So yeah, we yeah, called yeah. the program at the time, macros for macros because uh, <laughs> we use Excel macros. Uh, yeah, yeah. One of the girls in my group came up with that title. I'm like, oh, yeah, we got to use this. Um, so anyway, that, oh, that's all we really did, right? So we knew you, you know what you could uh, we built this Excel sheet where it was like, hey, you know what your, what your current weight is, what weight you want to get to, so you could calculate, you do the calculation in Excel of how many calories you need to do in order to lose this weight over how many weeks. And then from there, you, we broke down the calories further with Excel into different macronutrients. And then I downloaded, uh, I went to the, the uh, uh, like USDA or whatever, whatever the food uh, places that gave the data for foods and their caloric and their macronutrients. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I got all that data. And from there, I built basically a little simple, little algorithm Or we built this, I want to make sure I credit right? We built this algorithm that basically would tell you, okay, this meal, I need to eat one cup of rice. Uh, you need to have five ounces of steak uh, and you have a cup of veggies and uh, maybe like a, you know, like a, some sort of fat, like a half avocado. And it would tell you every single meal uh, what you needed to do. And so that was the data science project. It was so crazy because I got to use Excel, use this data. It was sort of a different way. It wasn't doing analytics, but it was using data and, and calculating what you needed to do. Mm-hmm. And so that got me into, after the, the project was done, in that I wanted to, I was like, I can make this into an app. And that's once again, uh, gets into tools that I shouldn't have learned as a data analyst that I did. <laughs> but I got into learning a web framework with Python until learning Django or uh, Django. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know why I pronounced the D. Django. Is that how you pronounce Django? No, no, it's not. I mispronounced it in one of oh. my videos. What's that? Oh, oh really? You,
0: pronounced it, you mispronounced it? Oh, I, mis- video. I really? mispronounced
1: it on the videos. I was like, oh, Django. And it's like, this isn't This isn't uh, the Quentin Tarantino movie. It's Django. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm like, oh, wow. Uh, but you know, I during mean, the pandemic uh, or during yeah. whatever, when you don't have people around you to like talk to, yeah. like yeah. you just, you say things that you don't know cause you don't, you're mm-hmm. not talking to people.
0: Yeah. What do you think about the Super Data Science Podcast? Every episode, I strive to create the best possible experience for you, and I'd love to hear how I'm doing at that. For a limited time, we have a survey up at superdatascience.com slash survey, where you can provide me with your invaluable feedback on what you enjoy most about the show and critically about what we could be doing differently, what I could be improving for you. The survey will only take a few minutes of your time, but it could have a big impact on how I shape the show for you for years to come. So now's your chance. The survey is available at superdatascience.com/survey. That's superdatascience.com/survey. Uh, one big one for me for a long time was uh, the word "awry." A w r y. Awry. awry. Uh, yeah. I didn't. I didn't map saying like I would say "awry" verbally to people. I didn't know how to spell it. Like I mean, I mean, like I'm talking like in my until my late twenties. Yeah. I, like, I didn't really, like, ever think about how you'd spell Arai. And then mm-hmm. whenever I read it in a book, I was like, Ori. And I kind of knew what it meant. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really yeah. realize that they are the same word. Uh, so I get that. But in terms of a podcast, you actually mispronouncing Django as Django helps people yeah. find that tool. Although now you're not even recommending it. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. Now I'm like, uh, but that's what like one of the tools I was learning because I was like,
1: I'm gonna be, I'm gonna build this app, and that's not what data analysts should be doing. That's like the the data analyst that's like submitting their machine learning algorithms to uh uh as a to get this. It's like it's not something I should have done, and I wasted a lot of time and effort uh, trying to build this app. That eventually, just like I was like, Django is like really hard and really difficult uh, web framework, and I could have been spending my time on other things. Anyway, so I eventually abandoned it. But during that time, I was trying to promote this. And I was uh, using Instagram and also YouTube to try to promote this application. And so mm-hmm. that's really how I got into social media,
0: was oh. through this data
1: science, uh, trying to promote this application via social medias.
0: Oh, wow. That ties in really nicely to my motto, to my favorite saying, Luke, which is, uh, it's a Latin phrase. It's outed adipiscatur. Yeah. And I did a whole episode on it, episode number 6,10. It translates into English as "Who dares wins," where, hmm. by trying your project, by trying the macrofit project, that got you into doing social media stuff that is now turned into this incredible YouTuber career that you have, where you're inspiring hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people. And so um this this whole idea is that when you when you do something, when you take action, especially if that action is audacious, then even if you don't achieve the initial outcome that you envisioned, which is creating this nutrition app, great things will come from it. Who yeah. dares wins? Huh. That's
1: crazy. That sounds interesting. Yeah, no, I think that relates for so because it was just so crazy, because it was just like yeah, I was like the goal was to build this app. And then I started like I was from an Instagram, I was like taking pictures of food. Uh as silly as that might sound. But it was actually sort of fun and I enjoyed the social media aspect. And I'm like, I actually like this social media aspect better than <laughs> and sharing this data insights. But I like this better than actually trying to build this uh Django app. And so that's yeah. Uh that's crazy.
0: Yeah. Cool, cool career transition, Luke. And it isn't the only super cool career transition that you've had due to taking on audacious challenges. And it's interesting because that who dares win quote was popularized in recent centuries by the British Royal Air Force. And uh, one of the most interesting things about you is that for seven years, you were a submariner in the Navy. And in order to run a nuclear submarine, you were trained in nuclear engineering. That's wild to me. That's such a cool specialization to have about the world. Wow. Um, So can you tell us a bit about that experience? And did nuclear physics help in your data analyst career later?
1: Yeah. So uh yeah so so I served 7 years in the United States Navy specifically in the uh, the submarine force which all which all of our submarines in the United States Navy use nuclear power and uh, yeah it was I well, it was a crazy time just so much time <laughs> spent almost close to 2 years of my life underneath water.
0: Wow. And
1: it's just like oh like my 20s completely gone because or not I want to say completely gone. It was a great time, great learning experience. Um, but like so much time away from family and friends, out to sea, running a submarine, going places. And so uh, there's parts that I miss, uh, especially like the camaraderie and everything like that. Right. Uh, but then there's parts of like, I'm looking out of a window right now. Uh, like <laughs> I actually have a window and I can go outside later. Uh, whereas I would go like on this submarine, I would go underwater for three, four months at a time.
0: Oh my
1: God. Yeah uh wow. you know, <laughs> yeah we just go for three or four months at a time the only thing we're really limited by because it's nuclear power we can make our own power we can make our own water we're limited by food and so that's whenever we have to come uh back to uh come back to land we actually our submarine so was is not one of the bigger ones and so you'd have to like we'd have to there wasn't a lot of food storage. And so you'd actually have like cans of food on the ground and we put plywood on top of it. And then you would eat those cans of food as you, uh, <laughs> and then you can remove the plywood. But sometimes like some of that way where areas that you walk through the submarine, it was even shorter than usual because you had these cans of food that you had to walk on.
0: <laughs> wow. That is so interesting. I had no idea. Yeah. I kind of thought it would be like three or four days in most. I thought, And then my like my uh, my liberal estimate, once you started saying three to four, I thought at most you would say weeks, three to four months. That's wild. So how do you make the water? You like you take salt water and then you use like nuclear energy to like desalinate it. Um, yeah,
1: so they have two different types. I mean, I hope this isn't classified. I don't think it is. It's pretty open knowledge. I think, uh, you can either like boil the water. Uh, I'll give a general examples. So you can either boil the water they call like an evaporator. And so you use this like a hot water and, uh, boil the water and it cleans the water, or you use a reverse osmosis unit, which is more just like powered through electricity to, uh, to shock it and get yeah. out the clean water. Right,
0: um, right, right. we had
1: the, uh, evaporator option on mine. And yeah. yeah, you can only make so much, right? So you have to, and you can only make it so fast. So water conservation, like they call it, they have like submarine showers. You're supposed to like get in, bathe real quick, like wet yourself, shower down, mm-hmm. turn off the water, like soap up and then rinse off and then get out. You're not supposed right. to like waste water.
0: Right. So. I mean, that's amazing that there's enough to be showering at all. Like that's why. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm just uh, <laughs> uh, that. I mean, the submarines are pretty. They're pretty. Oh, I mean, they're such. Uh, they're such fascinating things because I mean, like a football field long, right? And just like tanks galore with freshwater tanks, sanitary tanks to store your waste, uh, mm-hmm. ballast tanks, so large tanks to ballast the ship up and down. And uh, it's just a. But I guess this sort of relates to your question, right? Of How does this relate to my analytical career? So a lot of that stuff, I didn't realize at the time, but we're dealing with uh, data at real time on Mm -hmm. a submarine. Mm -hmm. So you have to analyze this data all the time. So like if I was uh, like, so I had to work in the, um, for a little bit in the engineering power plant. So I would run the nuclear reactor, me and a team of like uh, 10 other individuals. And we have to look at all these different gauges, monitor pressure inside of the reactor, temperature inside the reactor look at trends you have to plot it and so there's a lot of like look at chemistry understand the trends that are going on with the chemistry inside of it mm-hmm. anyway there's a lot of numbers and so there's a lot of understanding behind what's happening with the data and where it's going so it was just sort of second nature whenever i got into transition to a data analyst coming from that role because it's like i'm surrounded by numbers like like all the time. Mm-hmm. This is just, this is just, uh, now I have, uh, I don't want to, da- uh, talk bad about the government, but this, now I have just better tools to analyze, uh, the data now because we were like doing like, uh, paper logs and, and the, the, the gov- uh, the Navy has improved like, uh, the paper logs, like recording these numbers for all these things. And, and we've improved, uh, in that way, but now I have like advanced tools that I can analyze the stuff and do some more trend analysis. So, uh, yeah, there's, I guess, pros and cons. <laughs>
0: Ah, super cool. Really delighted that we had that question to ask you because, wow, I just learned some amazing things. Um, so another project, an, another kind of career twist that you're working on right now, though it firmly rooted in now your data analysis and data science and even your web your web scraping experience specifically, you alluded before we started recording to me about a job data collection project. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so I started that... Like last year, well, so I have all these. So
1: well, I'm a data analyst, obviously, right? And you have all these people asking, asking me, like, "Hey, what are the top skills? What skills should I be focusing on?" And like, I could tell them, like, uh, I could tell them what it is, what I think it is, but it's like, but what's the data say? And so I'm like, I need right. to get the data. So you have like Stack Overflow. Uh, if anybody doesn't know, Stack Overflow is like a, a coding website. And it collects all these coding questions you can go on and, and see it. Anyway, they provide a survey every year that will tell, tell people what are popular, most popular languages, what are mm-hmm. the most popular SQL databases. Like It's like actual data of what's important, but it's more focused for developers and web developers. Or um, I mean, there are a, a sprinkle of data scientists and stuff in there, but mostly it's, mm-hmm. I think, good development. Anyway, right. they have data. It's like sound data. You can look at it. There's nothing like that for data analysts. And it's like, where do you go to collect that? How do you know what jobs require what skills? So I was like, I need, I need to collect this from job posting. So last year, I built this Python bot because I didn't want to use that one solution that I talked about from work that was like a, basically a money Ponzi scheme that I feel. Uh, I use <laughs> Python instead to go into LinkedIn, which not really allowed but did it anyway, go into LinkedIn and scrape job postings of data science roles, data analysts, data scientists, data engineers, scrape all that data. And then from there, pick out those course, just go through and pick out what skills. And then from there, aggregate it to find out what is uh, most the, the most popular skills. So I did that for like for like three months last year, like running this bot every single day, I got a a ton of job postings, a ton of data, and actually was able to go in and list. So like Excel, SQL um, being the top two skills. And then from there, the visualization tools and programming languages. So Power BI, Tableau, uh, Python, and R, they're all about about equal. So those are basically the top eight skills that I found as data analysts. And sorry, funny side note real quick, because I was thinking about that today. I like, I shared this and, uh, and Excel was like the number one from the data. Cause I finally had this and somebody like multiple people commented, like Excel's not a core skill of data analysts. And I'm like, I'm literally <laughs> showing you what the data says. Like how, like, don't be mad at me. I'm showing you what the data is. The data says Excel is the most popular skill. I don't like it. I, I don't like it either. I, I would much rather be Python, but don't be mad at me. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, I've run into, I ran into a lot of issues with LinkedIn trying to block me doing the web scraping. So I sort of halted Mm -hmm. it after Mm -hmm. a while and I'm trying to get back into it. I'm working with a company right now to try and get this data and actually start collecting it on a daily basis. And what I would love to do, continue this project, is continue to collect it over time. And uh, you know how like they have the... uh, those races of like programming languages over time, like what's the most popular programming language you could watch it like, oh, Python, um, like in 1992, um, it was like, it was yeah. nothing. But now it's like, oh, it's high yeah. up there. Yeah, That's like the goal. Collect this on a daily basis, right. just indefinitely and start mapping out what is the most popular skills so people knows they can go and they can focus on the top skills for data analysts.
0: Yeah, so I know that you don't have this developed yet, but, just based on your experience, do you have any predictions as to what tools someone who's interested in getting into data analysis today should be learning like what are the tools of the future uh, that people should be learning today?
1: yeah, I think i don't it's not changing very quick quick for data analysts, right. uh unfortunately like if we're I don't know if you feel the same, but I feel like we're sort of uh slow moving in regards to that in regards to technology. We, I mean, uh, yeah, specifically for data analytics, I feel it. so. I'm still, I'm still pretty Excel and SQL. Feel like first two main ones, and then a, a programming language and a uh, and a visualization tool, and that's right. what I would stick with.
0: Right. Uh, All right, well, are those... what about just like, are there anything like Python libraries or anything that you're like really excited about right now that you think people should get into? Something you've or like a tool or approach that you've recently discovered that you're like, oh man, I really need to dig into that and learn more about it?
1: Yeah. um, I'm really, yes. Yes. So so I I have an answer for that. And it's really relates to data engineering uh, because as a data analyst, that's the biggest problem that I've found. Like this problem right here, I need this data of job posting and it's not easy to get. It's Mm -hmm. a data engineering problem. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my subscribers are getting, uh, getting they'll get this like Google data analytics certificate and they'll actually go into data engineering because it's such strong demand. Right. So tools around data engineering, I think are invaluable to learn, whether that be around how to manage databases like Snowflake, Databricks, or how to do orchestration, uh, like I like Airflow. Uh, which is like a library of Python. I like really like I really like that language and think that's so cool. Uh, those type of things, that would be sort of the fun things that what I want to learn. But I would not, unfortunately, I wouldn't be like you're an entry level data analyst. You should go learn Airflow. I would be like you need to focus on Excel and SQL. But if yeah, but you want to continue, yeah,
0: it's a great answer though for for the question that I asked of like you know what can they be doing to prepare for the future? And I think this is something as data sets continue to get exponentially larger every year, increasingly, data analysts, to be effective, are going to have to be able to do some of their data engineering. Otherwise, yeah. you know, some, a company would have to hire a separate data engineer to be providing data to one or more data analysts, which is an added expense. Um, right. So if they could find somebody that could do both, it would be ideal. And yeah. that was actually Shashank, in his episode, also talked about how he thinks that the best data engineers are people who used to be data analysts, which mm-hmm. is a transition that he that he's made, and he says when you know what the downstream user is going to need when you appreciate their concerns, you're going to be better at extracting the data and providing those data to them
1: yep and i think I think like once again this that gateway drug, data analysts are like that like once you're that entry level data analyst, you sort of like peek into Data engineers, data scientists, or maybe a more a more advanced uh, data uh, data analyst, and you can then like choose your where you feel like you should focus more.
0: Nice. Well, then I think you actually have kind of answered the question that we had. So um, prior to you being on the show, I posted on LinkedIn and Twitter and asked if people had questions for you. And Matthias Baudino, who is a BI analyst at a company called Brain Technology, he wants to know what you expect of your own future. So maybe you can expand a little, you can try to look in your crystal ball a little further in your career. But he says, you know, does Luke see himself moving to a leading role or moving to a role more focused in data science? He says, you're always giving advice to aspiring or new data analysts, but he'd love to know your own thoughts about how you'd like to move forward with your data analyst career. So we kind of already got a sense The data engineering is in that vision, but I don't know if you have anything else you'd like to add, maybe looking further beyond, you know, like where would you like to be in a decade?
1: Yeah, um, I'm really, so I love data science, uh, but I'm really, I love, as we talked about already, I love the social media aspect Mm. and being able to bridge people. That's really, I don't really, I don't look to be a CEO or a lead data analyst or lead data scientist. I'm not, uh, I want to learn about new technologies and I want to be able to share that with others. And I think social media provides that platform for me to grow mentally and then also share it. So that's where I want to grow is through YouTube. And like you talked about at the beginning, I'm focusing on entry-level data analysts, but I'd love to expand this to help more than just entry-level data analysts in the future.
0: I love that answer. And I'm so excited that that's your answer because it means that I get... To continue to joy, to enjoy more and more Luke Bruce YouTube content <laughs> in the future. I love it. All right, Luke. So those are all the questions I've got for you. Uh, before we end the episode, I always ask for a book recommendation. You got one for us?
1: Yeah. So I guess top book. Actually, I uh, made a video on it, but for data analysts and also data scientists and maybe even data engineers, I would recommend Storytelling with Data um, with uh, Cole Naffleck. Uh, she's on the Super Data Science podcast. And it's such a insightful book into how to communicate with data. And it's actually funny enough. I started I read this years ago, and this book was actually a huge motivator, not only from my prior social media uh, experience, but this was like a huge motivator for me to try to tell stories with my YouTube channel with data. And so, um, Anyway, besides that, I think it's a like, it's a must read and it's so easy to read and it just provides such uh, immense amounts of detail and insights that I'm like, I can't recommend it enough.
0: That is a cool recommendation. Yeah. So Cole Neusbaumer Knapflik, she was in episode number 395 and somebody, I can't remember off the top of my head right now. So some listener out there is like, you bonehead John Crone. I know who it was. In a very recent episode, <laughs> somebody else recommended that same book. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so really, really popular recommendation. I wonder
1: if uh, Shashank did because he, uh he he also he interviewed her on her his uh, his video, uh movie uh, or on his uh, YouTube channel. Uh, yeah. I think uh, like she, and she has a new book out too. So
0: yeah, there's a good chance. There's a good chance it's Shashank. I can't remember off the top of my head, but. Yeah, this is not. <laughs> the, the, I've I've had this conversation recently, uh, so yeah, super cool recommendation, and uh, that was a very strong recommendation. Must read from Luke Berus. Yeah, and uh-huh. also re- recommended by someone else, possibly Shashank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> check it out, listeners. And then uh, it was episode number three ninety five of the Super Data Science Podcast that she was on. Sounds like maybe we should be having her on again because of her next. Yeah. Book. Yeah, mm-hmm, Probably. Cool, well, there's a thought. Um, All right, Luke, well, obviously people know that if they wanna keep tracking your career after this, your YouTube channel is probably the primary place to do it. Any other places that people should be following you? Uh, YouTube mainly, that's where I wanna
1: focus most of my effort. I need to to beef up my crew, uh, and and mainly I need an editor. But uh, that, and then LinkedIn uh, is the main two places. I'm also on Instagram
0: and TikTok, but. Nice. All right. Well, we'll be sure to include your social media links in the show notes for this episode. Luke, I had such a great time chatting with you today. It's been such a fun episode. Thank you for coming on. It's been an honor to meet you and I look forward to catching up with you again sometime soon.
1: Heck yeah. Thank you for having me on. Wish we could have talked more about CrossFit, but uh, I'm glad we talked about (laughs) (laughs) that.
0: Wow, I loved chatting with Luke today. What a guy. In today's episode, Luke filled us in on how Selenium and Beautiful Soup are his favorite web scraping libraries, how data analysts don't need machine learning projects in their portfolio to get an entry level role. Instead, they should focus on the essentials, namely Excel, SQL, a dashboarding tool like Tableau or Power BI, and maybe a programming language like Python or R. He told us how his biggest mistake in his early career was not getting regular enough feedback from stakeholders on consulting projects. He also told us how his experience with real-time submarine data was foundational for his data analyst career while trying to build his macro fit data product was instrumental in him becoming a full-time content creator. And he told us how familiarity with data engineering tools like Snowflake, Databricks, and Airflow will prepare you for the data jobs of the future. As always, you can get all the show notes, including the transcript for this episode, the video recording, any materials mentioned on the show, the URLs for Luke's social media profiles, as well as my own social media profiles at superdatascience.com slash 631. That's superdatascience.com slash 631. Every single episode, I strive to create the best possible experience for you and I'd love to hear how I'm doing at that. For a limited time, we have a survey up at superdatascience.com survey where you can provide me with your invaluable feedback on the show. Again, our quick surveys available at superdatascience.com survey. Thanks to my colleagues at Nebula for supporting me while I create content like this Super Data Science episode for you. And thanks, of course, to Ivana, Mario, Natalie, Serge, Sylvia, Zara, and Kirill on the Super Data Science team for producing another magnificent episode for us today for enabling this super team to create this free podcast for you. We are deeply grateful to our sponsors. Please consider supporting the show by checking out our sponsors links, which you can find in the show notes. And if you yourself are interested in sponsoring an episode, you can get the details on how by making your way to johncronecom podcast. Last but not least, Thanks to you for listening all the way to the end of the show. Until next time, my friend, keep on rocking it out there, and I'm looking forward to enjoying another round of the Super Data Science Podcast with you very soon.